Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. In honor of Black History Month, we are dedicating February to featuring some truly inspiring Black female entrepreneurs and thought leaders. We're excited to be able to share their stories, accomplishments, and unique insights with all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Manual. I'm Tara Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Tequila. She is a doula, childbirth educator, and founder of Mama to Mama, a Southern Love. Tequila, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you today? I am good. I'm excited. We have never had a doula on the podcast, which is shocking because we talk all things motherhood. So can Mm -hmm. you tell us all the things about being a doula, how you became a doula, a little bit of your history? So I've always been a lover of all things birth, even as a kid. So I used to watch like the TLC shows, A Baby's First Day, their labor and delivery shows, and I would literally like binge watch them. And I originally went to school at Hampton University pre-med bio because I wanted to go to med school to be an OBGYN. But while I was there, I fell in love with psychology. And so I left with a degree in psychology, which I still kind of basically use anyway. But few years after that, I ran into the documentary, The Business of Being Born on Netflix. At the time it was on Netflix. And I was able to basically see a totally different side of birthing. Hmm. So it opened up my eyes. And this was like years before I even was thinking about having kids. Yeah. And so then when it was my time to get pregnant, and that was probably like, Eight years later, okay, I went a totally different route than most people. So I never went to the doctor. I just found my midwife and I decided to have a home birth for my first birth. Yep. And so during this whole process, that's where my midwife was like, hey, you should take these classes from this doula. Yeah. She has these free classes that you can go and learn a little bit more about childbirth and breastfeeding and all these other things. So I started taking the classes and the role just resonated with me. I felt like it was a calling, like it was something that I was supposed to be doing. So I did my research and after having my baby, I just jumped right in. And actually my baby went with me to my doula training because I was home. He was there in class with me as I was breastfeeding and learning about how to be a doula. And then after that, I just basically hit the ground running. And then a couple a couple months after my doula training, I took a training to be a childbirth educator. So my goal was basically to mainly help educate people about childbirth. But at the time, um, when looking at the statistics, uh, Black women were three to four more times likely to die wow. during childbirth. And, and in some areas like New York, that number shot up to 12 times. Wow. And I'm in Texas, so it's around 10 to 12 times more likely to die. 
from childbirth complications and then of course unnecessary inductions racism Mm -hmm. so on and so forth that goes into that so my main goal was to be able to reach the community so that they can be informed about childbirth and learn about the things that are supposed to happen that's not supposed to happen because I know I can't save everyone but even if it's one person being able to help them then that's great. I felt like I've done what I was supposed to do. So now I'm this full-time doula and childbirth educator, and I, I absolutely love what I do. I, for some reason, like I can't on a daily basis or regular days stay up 24 hours. But if I'm at a birth, I'm up for 24 hours and adrenaline is pumping. And I just love everything that I'm doing. And so I know this is something that I'm supposed to be doing. I love this. It is so clear through your talking about your position that it's, it is like a calling to you and you're so passionate about it. And when you said black women are 10 to 12 times more likely to die during childbirth, that just gave me goosebumps, such a horrible statistic, but it's amazing that you are really taking this head on and educating every community, but specifically the black community. I love that. I don't really know a ton about doulas. We were talking before the Mm -hmm. podcast and I said, it's not something that I've used before. Can you tell for anyone who's like, I'm not totally sure what a doula is. What is the difference between you have a labor and delivery doctor, I guess, and then you have a doula and you have a midwife. How do the three differ? So your midwife and your OBGYN, those are your medical providers. Mm -hmm. they are the ones who will do everything when it comes medical. Okay. So of course I cannot deliver your baby. I cannot provide you oxygen, Pitocin, none of that stuff. So they handle all of that, your prenatal care, of course, helping to deliver the baby and your postpartum care. Doulas, we are the support for the mom because the midwife and the OBGYN, their main focus is getting the baby here safely, but mom needs support too. Got it. So we are there to help support the mom. And there's a big misconception that we only attend like um, home births or people who want to have natural birth. Yes. But like I tell people, I don't care if you want to have your baby in the woods, I will meet you in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. I will meet you wherever it is that, you know, if if you're having a scheduled C-section, Hiring a doula is, can still be very helpful because you want to know what is supposed to happen, how it's supposed to happen, what questions you need to ask. And then, of course, having that support afterwards right. for even breastfeeding or that postpartum care. Birth is unpredictable. So you can start off having a home birth and now you're having a C-section. Right. So we support it all. And as a doula, would you say you're in more home births or more hospital-based births? I'm actually in more hospital-based births because more people are still comfortable going to the hospital versus birthing at home. Right, right. Gosh, and me, I have four kids. I I told Tequila before the podcast started, I said, one of my kids, I got to the hospital. I was literally nine centimeters dilated. They're like, all right, mom, it's time to push. I said, not without the epidural. And they're like, no, no, you can have the baby right now. And I'm like, no, I want the epidural. He said, all it will do is slow down your birth. Like you're ready to go. And I'm like, nope, give me the epidural. They said, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I don't care. They're like, all right, prep the epidural. And then I had to wait like two hours before I could push. Um, but yeah, I, I'm getting me in a hospital with a full epidural. <laughs> I don't want to feel or be near anything, which that probably makes you cringe. 
No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. As, but as a doula, and again, I keep going back to this idea that doula is really more meant for the home birth. So you're more in hospitals and with doulas, not just you, but all doulas, it's really like hospital, home, no preference, doesn't matter either way. Yeah. So now I, there are some doulas that do have preference. Got it. And mainly because of, um, we do at times get secondhand trauma from things that we see in hospitals. Okay. So at some point, some doulas, they do remove themselves from hospital births mm-hmm. and only attend home or birth center births because it is completely different. Right. And you don't run into that much trauma as you do when you are in the hospital. And when you say trauma, what, what, is, what does that mean? So medical coercion, where they may not be telling the complete truth about what you may need or may not need. Mm. Um, it can be even watching how they pull the baby out of the mom. Mm. Sometimes some of the nurses and doctors are very rude. Mm. They are very, um, no bedside manner whatsoever. Yeah. Some of the things that they say to the laboring mom, it's a lot that you see that you as the mom don't get to see because you're off in labor la-la land. Right. You're not paying attention to all of the detailed things that are happening within the room. Yeah. So a lot of people miss some of the things that are considered birth trauma. Mm. And we, because we're the ones who are aware of everything and we're watching everyone we see it all so we pick up on it and of course we don't try to you know tell the mom in that moment because we don't want to mess up the birth energy right but we do sometimes let them know afterwards um because you want to know what can happen next time or what should happen next time right and what to do that you look for in a provider the next time Yeah. Yeah. Because especially as a first time mom, you roll up to the hospital, you don't really even know what to expect at all. And Mm -hmm. as many classes as you take, it's when you get to that moment, you know, you're, you're never sure. And as a doula seeing thousands of births, you, one small thing you're going to pick up on. Okay. Tequila, we have three takeaways for our listeners today. Do you want to jump into the first one? Sure. So having the knowledge about childbirth that you didn't previously have is one of the major things that people love about having a doula. And then of course, like most of us, we're also childbirth educators. So like me, I'm also a childbirth educator. So I make sure that all my clients are knowledgeable about what childbirth is, how this happens, you know, the options that you have, because a lot of people don't know that they even have options. Like you said that for doulas, you know, you think it's more for like natural birthing and home birthing and maybe I cringe at an epidural. I don't cringe at it because there are times when they are very useful. But again, I make sure that my clients know the pros and cons so that they can make an educated decision versus just making a decision because they're in pain or making a decision because the doctor or nurse is telling them to do it. And it may not even be something that's beneficial for them at that moment. Right. So when you talk about, um, as the doula, you come together with the pregnant mother at what usually how many months into pregnancy? I've had people hire me right after peeing on the stick. So it really just depends. 
okay. on the mom when they're ready to hire a doula. Okay. Um, but I've had people hire me before they even told their mom that they were pregnant. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so like different, pretty much immediate. Different for everybody, some the full pregnancy, some closer to the birth. And then when you talk about that parents have options, I feel so uneducated. Like I've had four kids and I'm like, what do you mean options? So for someone who's maybe a new mom or who hasn't had kids, what, what does that really mean to have options? A lot of people don't even know they have birth rights mm-hmm. and that their human rights trump the hospital's protocols. Okay. Hospitals, okay. again, a lot of people have to remember that they are a business. Right. So just like with any other business, you have policies and protocols and things that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that works for you as an individual. So what is it that you as an individual need? For instance, only thing that people really know about is an epidural. Right. But there's two other things that you can get before you even get an epidural. Ooh. So most mm-hmm. hospitals do have nitrous oxide, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the funny gas that you get at the um, dentist. Yep. And it can help take off that edge in the middle when you're having a contraction. Most moms report loving to use it more so during the later part of labor versus the earlier part of labor. Because during the earlier part of labor, it makes them a little bit more woozy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like it would if you were just mm-hmm. sitting there at the dentist. Right. And then you have pain IV meds. You do have the option to use that before you get an epidural. And you can go through all of the options before deciding, okay, now I want to go ahead and get the epidural because right now these are not helping me the way I knew it to help. But some people stop at the nitrous side because that helps them. It takes off that extra edge that's needed for them to get through. And sometimes people stop at the pain IV meds because that's good enough to knock off that edge that they need. But others, you know, go ahead and decide to get the epidural. But people don't even know they have those options. And the first thing they go to is the epidural, which, of course, can have the cons of slowing down your labor. It does sometimes for um, healthy moms with no blood pressure issue. It can completely tank your blood pressure to where it's all the way down. And now you're rushing off to OR because now the baby doesn't have a heart rate. So knowing when you have those different options and the pros and cons of each of them, you can make the best decision for yourself in that moment. Oh my gosh. You, the listeners can't see my face, but you can. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? I did not know about nitrous oxide or the pain IV meds. I was never Mm -hmm. told about that. Um, See, this is why you hire a doula. Can you tell us a little more about the pros and cons of an epidural? Because I have a theory and I'll ask you after. I want to see if it's one of your cons. Mm -hmm. Pros, obviously, no pain. That's great. But you said cons, right. lower blood pressure. Um, Which can also pro if you have like extremely high blood pressure. Okay. So if you have um, preeclampsia and maybe your blood pressure is like 200 over 100, getting an epidural can help bring that down. And which of course is needed at that moment because it's very dangerously high. Mm. Um, of course, yeah, you know, the pros of not, being able to um, necessarily feel the contractions as much. But then, of course, you do have your cons. And most people live with those cons for the rest of their life. Like, for instance, my mom, she still has some of those cons from getting an epidural with me. And I'm about to be 32. 
So usually people have lower back pain issues. They have headache issues sometimes. Mm. And that's mainly because um, spinal fluid can leak out when they're doing the epidural. And that causes really, really bad migraines, even pretty much immediately. Mm. Um, Some Mm. people do end up with blood pressure issues afterwards that have to be monitored. And they do have to take medication until it does stabilize itself again. And then what people don't think about as a con is not feeling. It can definitely be a con because your pelvic floor, which is the muscles and the pelvis that makes up that area, of course, when you do get the epidural, of course, you're on your back most of the time pushing. Well, when you're pushing on your back, you have to forcefully push your baby up and out of the body. So with doing so, you put more stress on your pelvic floor and then more tearing Mm -hmm. because of having to do that forceful coach pushing when maybe your body isn't even ready to push yet. Right. And then if you have that tearing, that's also tearing into your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor is very, very important. It's how you hold your bowels. It's how you hold your pee. It's how your bladder sits up, how your uterus is able to stay sitting up. And it's how you have really good, powerful orgasms. And who wants to lose that? Ah, Most important. (laughs) Right. Um, Oh my gosh. I am like filled with regret right now because I'm really, I don't know, not at myself, I guess that I didn't know about these other types of pain options especially for my second daughter. Like I said, we got to the hospital and they were like, mom, it's time to push. And I was like, no, no, the epidural. And in that moment, I wish someone said, Hey, we can give you a pain IV and you can just go. But I wasn't even offered that. I have really bad back problems and I do wholeheartedly believe it is because of the epidurals. So my kids, my first two are 14 months apart. And then my Mm -hmm. second and third are 17 months apart. So I had three epidurals in the span of two and a half years. And after I had my third, I was just walking. There was nothing happened. I didn't fall. There was no trauma. And I, I felt like I had stepped off of a curb, but I, I didn't, I was just walking and like my back immediately like locked up. And then after that, I had, there were two times within probably six months, I was out of work for a full week because I could not even stand up. And so I almost had to be locked in like a sitting position. Like I sat up sleeping. I went to a chiropractor and I went to physical therapy and I ended up having to get an MRI and it was like a whole ordeal. And they basically, everybody was like, it's most likely because you had so many epidurals so close and they were like, who recommended this? And I'm like, I asked for it. Like I, you know, me, and I, I don't know, I guess I just wasn't educated at all on it, but now looking back and really you're the first person, this is the first time I've had a conversation about the true cons of an epidural where like it came up in passing, but nobody said like, let's educate you on that because I had a fourth child and I had an epidural still. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't really like, it was just something like, Oh, maybe it could have, you know, maybe it could have been, but, um, and, and it's possible it wasn't, but anyone who was listening, there are other options and an epidural is not the end all be all. Well, a lot of people don't know that there are comfort measures that you can do to alleviate the uncomfortable contractions that you feel. Hmm. Um, a lot of people, you know, they get to their birthing place and they want to lay down right. and it's like, oh, 
You need to be up and moving. Hmm. And that's mainly because of how the pelvis works. During like the later part of pregnancy, there's a hormone called relaxin that is starting to pump within our body. What relaxin is doing is going through and releasing and relaxing the joints in our body, which is the reason why towards the end of labor, you see more people hold fluid in maybe their hands or their feet and different parts of their body. It's because those joints are so loose that more fluid is able to get into them. Hmm. Well, that's Hmm. because we need the pelvis to be loosey-goosey so that when you do go into labor, it can expand how it needs to. So if you decide to lay down while you're in labor, you're closing off some of that openness needed for the baby to navigate through the pelvis. So if you're up and moving, you are able to put counter pressure onto those areas that are now aching because of having to open up how it should. And putting that counter pressure on those areas basically helps to alleviate that uncomfortable feeling that you're feeling. So doing different movements, putting your leg up and rocking into it, but it's also opening up the pelvis for how the baby needs to move through. A lot of people think that the baby just go down and out, but actually they spin the full time. Even as they're coming out, their their body is spinning so that it can fit through the pelvis how it needs to. So you don't need to take up any of that space because the baby needs that space. So you want to be upright and moving around so that you could be able to help the baby go down. And plus that helps to cut out some of the labor time. I'm thinking of images of women like bouncing on a ball. Is that, is that what we're kind of talking yeah, about? You can sit on a ball. That helps many different ways. Walking helps. Even if you're walk, going up and down the stairs, mm-hmm. some people do curb walking. Some people do what we call like the Captain Morgan that can help open up one side of the pelvis if it's needed. Um, But also those muscles that run into that pelvic floor that are in your legs and need to be stretched out so that the muscles can be able to not be in the way of the pelvis opening up. Laying on your back when you're actually pushing also up 30% of the space needed for the baby to be able to fit through because our tailbone actually kicks out to be able to provide more space for the baby. There's a few things that we do within the hospital that are kind of work against the body right. and takes a little bit longer for labor to go on. Okay. This is seriously crazy to me because all four of my births, I just went in, laid down, never got back up. Like from mm-hmm. the time I got checked in, even with my first daughter, my water broke. So we went to the hospital and I stayed in that bed for probably 14 hours and they're like, okay, now it's time to push. And then I was in active labor for about two hours, always in the same position, just laying down. Okay. Everyone who's listening, you need a doula. Will you bring us into your second takeaway? Cause this is a super important one too. Having the unwavering support before, during and after birth. What I like to tell people is that We were never put on this earth to do anything alone. Yes. Ever. So we are supposed to have villages, but because we are so advanced in these days and we migrate away from our villages, though people move away and move to different states for different reasons, we don't have that village that we're supposed to have to help us through this most vulnerable time. So 
having a doula is having that additional village for that person that you know that you can pick up and call because you feel this weird pain that happened at like 10 o'clock at night and you can't call your doctor. Of course, they're not in the office. Right. So you can pick up the phone and call your doula versus searching on Google, which yeah. will have you sitting at the ER for gas. Right. So <laughs> we're able to provide that education, but also that emotional support that you need because these hormones go crazy yeah. and you can't always talk to your partner about it because they're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. You know, it's just, it's just pregnancy. And right. it's like, no, well, you need some type of support, someone that can understand what's really going on that can be able to help you understand and provide you that support. But even um, like different doulas provide different services. So mm-hmm. some provide services like Reiki healing and things like that, that helps with the energy that you may be feeling. So even just being able to reset your energy or set the energy of the room so that you can make sure that you feel comfortable and in a good, safe space. And then when it does come to laboring, that person who, you know, they're there throughout the whole process for the most part, and they're able to assist you through everything, the emotional part, the physical part, the mental part of it. And then also help to set the mood for the room, because one thing you can't do is have people coming in and interrupt the energy of the room, because then you can start stalling in labor. So there's times where we've had to excuse family out of the room, because having a lot of eyes on you can stall your labor. And people forget we're a mammal. And there's no other mammals that you see that gives birth out in the open, unprotected, and very vulnerable. They usually either retreat and hide, or their village, which is whoever else is within their species, come and protect them. There was this video of an elephant giving birth. It was during the daytime, and the elephant rocked the baby out, which is a rock that we actually do also when it's getting close to pushing. And then next thing you know, their village of elephants came and made a circle around that mom and that new elephant. And they started, you know, calling out to the other elephants and also just being able to protect them. So we provide that same type of protection that you may feel that you may need if you feel that you're in a very vulnerable position. So, and then of course we help dad or we help uh, mom partner whomever to be able to support you too, because they are very, very important in this process. I tell everyone, you can't sit in the corner and wait. You are very important because you help the oxytocin flow. And we need that oxytocin for good, strong contractions to help move this thing along. So you got to be front and center. Oh my gosh. I am. Okay. So many things to say about this. So I, I am sitting here filled with regret and sad for my 25 year old self who lived in California and didn't know that many people when I lived here and my, all my family's in Massachusetts and Boston. And so I went to the hospital with just my husband. I shouldn't say just, he's wonderful, but you know, not with my mom, not with my sister, none of my girlfriends from like growing up. Um, it was just me and it felt, you know, very lonely and I was scared and 25 is fairly young. And I, you know, I didn't, this is almost, it's pre, um, we think of Instagram. So you know, just mm-hmm. not a lot of conversations happening. 
And I really went and didn't just didn't know anything. And as you're speaking, I'm like, if I had a doula, like that's the mom replacement. Or if you are a single mom going through this alone, that's could be the partner replacement. And especially during COVID when things are so weird right now with masks and protocols, and it's just an environment of fear and uncertainty to have a doula who says, I have done this. I have walked thousands of births. I will help you. I am here. I'm going to set the mood. Um, it's just every single person needs a doula. <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> I have someone very close in my life who is pregnant right now. And I don't want to name who, because she is very early pregnant, but I am writing down all these notes and I keep thinking, oh, she needs this and she's going to need that. And this would really help her. And as soon as we get done with this, I'm going to call her and say, go get a doula, make sure. <laughs> You know, another, another thing that I was thinking about, um, I think it was with, I think it was with my fourth, actually, I have really small, bad veins, I guess. Um, and so mm-hmm. I oftentimes need a butterfly needle. And mm-hmm. when I was at the last hospital, um, they had a teaching element and I have years of clinical experience working in teaching hospitals. And I love all the people we're teaching, but you don't necessarily want them teaching on you. And so they, mm-hmm. in and they said, you need to sign this waiver. Um, we are a teaching hospital and we're going to have people shadowing us. And some people are going to be, you know, at doing different things because they're learning. And I, I said, you know, I'm not really comfortable with that. And he said, well, actually, you don't have a choice. And now in hindsight, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I did have a choice, but you know, I didn't want to make a fuss about it. My husband's like, it's just sign it. It's fine. So I signed it. So then they come in and they're teaching somebody how to, to do the injection on the hand, you know, how they put the mm-hmm. port in so you can get the different, whatever you need during pregnancy. Um, and this girl stuck me no less than five times. And I was like, I'm crying and I'm telling her, yeah. I, I need a smaller needle. I, I have problems. And she's like, well, one more time, one more time. And I, and finally my husband stands up and he said, it's enough. Like you have tried five times. She's crying. She's in labor. You need to get somebody who knows how to do this. But that's something where, I mean, him and I were kind of looking back and forth and we weren't sure. And a doula would have said, nope, one time, that's it. Like now you need to get the person who knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, and somebody was just standing there watching her keep doing it over and over. And I'm like, that really hurts. Like I'm in pain, I'm in labor, you know? Um, and that, in that moment, that's my fourth child. I have a husband, I'm at an affluent hospital, right? So, and that happened to me. So if we look at, like you had said earlier, underprivileged women, you know, higher likelihood of dying with different ethnicity groups, what is happening to those at those hospitals? probably Mm -hmm. worse things and at a more higher frequency. So I think having a doula is, it's almost in my mind, it's almost like a bodyguard. It's a backup. They're going to make sure it all goes good. Tequila, tell us the third takeaway for having a doula. Knowing the comfort measures needed to have the birth that you want. Of course, everyone wants to have the natural birth, but things change. Birth is unpredictable. So having the information and knowledge so that you can make the changes needed. That is one thing about having a birth plan. People think that when you have the birth plan, you're just planning for the exact birth that you want. But no, you need to add in the ifs and the ands because what if you now have to have a C-section? How do you want that to go? 
Right. Well, if if the baby comes out and there's issues, how do you want that to go? So you have to make sure you cover all bases. So having that knowledge and information to be able to go through that is uh, always needed. But those comfort measures are what's needed to help you stay on the path that you are wanting to achieve. So like I said earlier, being up and moving around. And also with my clients where they're like, I don't want to get an epidural. So I'm like, okay, what case you do? What is the safe word that you want to say that I know for sure this is what you want to do? Because I tell people don't ever suffer. Don't ever suffer to try to achieve a goal because suffering can also leave you laboring longer than you want to because it can stall your labor because you're not connected how you should be to your body in that moment. So don't ever suffer. So don't be ashamed. Don't be, don't feel like you let me down, of course. And don't feel like you let yourself down just because you now decide to have an epidural. It's what's needed in that moment. And if that's going to help you, then that's what's needed. Right. No, I think that, that it's interesting because I, I really went in with almost this um, either or, like I'm going to have this complete, completely natural birth, which I actually didn't want. I thought, oh, that's for women who are earthy crunchy or want to be a hero. That's not me. Um, so I'm like, I just want to go in, get my epidural as early as possible and say, I'm not going to have a C-section, but there's so many things in between. And now talking to you, it doesn't seem that it, it is either, either, or where it's those extremes of completely natural, no pain assistance or, you know, full on epidural. There's a lot that can happen in between that to alleviate the pain and have still a positive birth experience. Um, and I wish personally, I had known more of this, um, for the four children I did birth. Fortunately, I didn't have a C-section. And for me, that was more like with my first daughter, I had pushed for two and a half hours. And they said at like two hours, they said, honey, we're going to give you 30 more minutes. And if if the baby doesn't come out, we're going to a C-section. Like it's just, it's not, it's not good to push for this long for both you and the baby. And I remember thinking there is no way I'm going to have a C-section after this. Like this baby is coming out naturally, like heck no. And then after having a natural birth, I thought, I've already had a natural birth. I don't want to have now a C-section now. Yeah, it was, but, but I never had a plan. Like if they had said, okay, now you're going to have a C-section again, I would have been rolled in blind. Like there was no plan of, I don't even know what the options for a C-section are. And I would love to dive into to that with you. However, we have been chatting for a long time, but I hope that all the listeners today got some amazing information. I took down a ton of notes and I think the takeaway is hire a doula. Yula, let's jump into our fire round really quick. So what are you binging on TV? Um, lately it's been sisters on, it's a Tyler Perry show on um, the Oh, and then I watch like different, um, like the Power Book series that 50 Cent has on Star. Okay. Um, And so all of the ones that he has on Stars, I pretty much watch those. But I don't watch a lot of TV. (laughs) That's that's good. It is good. Um, Okay. How about this? What is your most recent book you've read? Um, Right now I'm reading Atomic Habits. 
And then the other one that I just finished is The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. And then I've also been working on The Fifth Vital Sign, which is about basically our periods and our cycles and learning more information that we've never been taught from that. That, okay. I want to check those out. Um, What's your go-to productivity app? Uh, My reminders app. (laughs) That is always a popular one on the podcast. (laughs) And then what about a go-to de-stressor? Um. Well, since I'm pregnant right now, that's taking a nap. (laughs) I love it. That's such a good answer. Tequila, thank you so much for joining us. I know everyone listening is going to want to follow you and listen to all your tips and information. Where can everyone find you? Um, Of course, you can find me on Instagram. Right now, I am actually hosting a live. Basically, I'm bringing in all of the different birth workers from the community so that people can learn how to build their birth team and that way they can have the best birthing outcome. So I'm hosting lives on every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time where people can come and learn about all the different types of birth workers and that way they can know how to hire them and how they would be beneficial to their pregnancy. And I'm hosting that on my personal page and that's Marie underscore G. Okay. And we'll put this in the show notes too. So people can just link right Mm -hmm. to it every Tuesday, 630 central. I will be tuning into that because I want to learn all the things. And then you have a business. Can you tell us about that really quick? Yes. So I do have a skincare business called Glow Care Skincare. And it's again, another one of my passions that I absolutely love. And so you can find that at, at Glow Care underscore skincare on Instagram. And you guys can actually save 20% off right now when you use the code dreamland so that you can be able to try out the products. They work for all skin types. The main system is the glow system. And it's a really good system to get started with to help regulate your skin. Basically anything that's going on with it, it'll help regulate it so that it can start working how it should work. Amazing. Tequila, this was such an awesome podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a great day.